You are listening to Honored with William McCarthy, live from the Central Coast. Everybody, how you doing? It's me. I'm in a hotel room. I'm on the road. I'm on my motorcycle. Um, as I said before, last podcast, I am traveling up the coast um, with my lady and her father, and I'm just killing some time in between now and my my Minnesota show and my Mexico show. So. I've decided to go up the coast and I'm looking around and I found myself here today in Solvang, California. If anybody, has anybody ever heard of Solvang? It's this funky place that apparently uh, it, it was a Danish enclave of California that I think farmers started a community and it grew, I think, over 500 people and they, they basically built this little town in the likeness of a Danish uh, town. Basically, it's like a little mini Copenhagen, and I didn't really know about this place until I saw the movie Sideways with Paul Giamatti, which is hilarious if anybody's ever seen it. And I'm here, and I'm, you know, my intention with this podcast is to weave music, music history, travel, and a commentary on what it is to be human in today's day and age. Well, I I wake up and I start doing some research because I always do reading and so on for the podcast. I find out that I am 20 minutes from Neverland Ranch. <laughs> Michael Jackson. Well, there's some music history for you. King of Pop lived just outside of this place. And it makes me wonder like, what kind of life that guy actually had. Did he ever go grocery shopping ever in his life? What an interesting topic. Did anybody see Leaving Neverland? Wow, man. The jury is still out on the Michael Jackson topic. Um, in today's woke times, we look at a situation like this is completely like way far over the line, nefarious, shadowy, and it really attacks people's childhoods in many ways because I, I think Michael Jackson was the first person I ever wrote a letter to. And I wrote a couple letters to him and I'm sitting here out in this sort of outer San Inez, Santa Inez Valley, and I realized that I wasn't writing Michael Jackson at all. My my letter probably ended up in some kind of like pile of letters in Burbank, California or something. Anyways, yeah, crazy to think that, at, you know, through the rigors of the entertainment business at the highest, highest level, Michael Jackson retreated to this region to to be a recluse, right? Uh, so this place is absolutely gorgeous. I'm, I'm on my motorcycle, I'm traveling up the coast. I can't help but look at palm trees and the different species of palm trees, which is fascinating to me. Went on a walk on the wharf in Ventura yesterday. If anybody's ever heard of Ventura, it's a surf town in Southern California. It borders in San uh, Ventura County borders Oxnard, which is like an agricultural place. And if you could imagine being on a motorcycle, you can smell and feel everything. So you feel you smell gasoline, you smell exhaust, you smell 
and feel when the land changes. So I drop down into like little pockets and I can feel like the climate shift. And I could definitely feel the climate shift as I came over the pass and came into Ventura County. Ventura County suffers a lot because it's always getting forest fires and a very big one nearly ruined Ventura recently. And so there's like a stark sort of recovering landscape around. But when I look at it, I smell manure, I smell agriculture, and I think about the history of California and why it's so... It, I, California lives in my imagination and it lives in a place inside of me that's constantly craving it. And it's kind of laced with different memories I've had as a child, like just seeing vege vegetation like eucalyptus, um, cactus, palms, pines. And I think of my childhood memories of being with my grandfather on the boardwalk, on the wharf, on the piers. It's an interesting thing. My grandfather, he came from Detroit. My family's originally from Detroit, Michigan, and the outlying, I guess, countryside and suburbs of working class Detroit. <clears throat> my grandmother was born in downtown Detroit. I believe my grandfather was and my mother. And they moved, I don't know, 30 minutes outside of Detroit to a very small enclave there called Highland. Anyway, so I'm here and yeah, Michael Jackson. So do I go visit that today? I mean, do I want to agitate the wound any more than it, you know, it's one thing to lose Bill Cosby from your childhood. Then you lose Michael Jackson. And then you think of all the films that you grew up, you know, Harvey Weinstein presided over and you look at like, wow, much of my childhood had, was contaminated by, by mankind, by the, the, the inner workings of people's psychology. It's so weird. Also, not to mention, as we get closer to Northern California, all my baseball heroes as a kid were contaminated and dirty and using steroids. So very interesting for me. Um, I also think about uh, Ventura because it's really similar to Santa Cruz. It really looks a lot like it. And if anybody's ever been to these places, I know many of you are listening in other countries, it's it's crazy to see a surf town because it's uh, it's not uncommon to see people you know surfers riding by on their bicycles while you're you know standing outside waiting for the bus in the morning. So surfers are that 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 is a for me. I understand that people surf like in Ireland, people surf in Australia, and they surf all over the world. But for me, surfing is a thing of the Pacific. And when I'm riding up the coast of my motorcycle yesterday, I look out and I see off in the horizon, very faintly, you can see these, um, this, this outline of a landmass and what that is, the Channel Islands. I was reading about the Channel Islands getting ready for this podcast and I was reading about it that it has, I think, 31 species of animals that are found nowhere else on earth. It's got a species of, like, species of pelicans and also a spotted fox, sorry, a spotted skunk and a prairie fox that lives nowhere else in the world but these islands. That is fascinating to me. How the hell did some of these animals get there? Um, I went through the whole uh, Pablo Escobar thing. Crazy thing about Pablo Escobar is that he, you know, to show off for his friends, he created this zoo 
in Colombia. And I think it was Medellin is the region that he lived in. And he had like rhinoceroses and hippos and giraffes and lions and all these things imported. And they're still there. There's a species of of wild animals that are still living in his, on his compound or in the region that he, were brought there by him. I think it's hippopotamuses. Is it hippopotami? Uh, so that's fascinating to me. So I wonder sometimes with the history of California, which I find a quite misunderstood place, if some of these animals ever came or were transplanted by way of like, you know, colonialism and people coming on ships. What makes California fascinating is that Juan Cabrillo uh, departed Mexico. He was a Spanish conquistador um, plundering, and he was involved in the slave trade and, and gold um, for the Spanish crown. He set off in 1592 from the port of Navidad, Mexico, and he, he pulled into this port, and, he, you know, he... Sent, he messaged back to his higher-ups, and these expeditions were funded. And he comes upon this like port of San Diego, and he comes in and declares it property of, of Spain. And this is the very early, this is the very early uh, explorations of California. And as we know later on, California becomes Mexico in the 1800s. But back in the 1500s, the 1600s, and the 1700s, they, the conquistadors and fortune seekers came to this land um, hand in hand with the church. So the church and the state worked together. And all around California growing up, you see the name Cabrillo. There's actually a college where I'm from in Santa Cruz called Cabrillo College. Um, named after this guy. And these guys weren't always the nicest people. Um, there's a path called the El Camino Real. And if you ever ride through the, the coast of California, through the PCH and inland, you start, you see these bells and they're put there. They're like these, these tall poles with like a bell on it. And that signifies the path that the monks took when they landed in San Diego. Now, we have to bring up um, Junipero Serra. I think in, Span in Spanish, his name would probably be Junipero Serra. He was a monk, and he was from Mallorca. He came in the 1700s uh, to California, and he came up from Mexico. And much like Don Quixote in, uh, in Spanish history, he traveled with another friar, and they went, and they walked up California and they're, you know, through California, there's 21 missions. That's fascinating to me because we're definitely at a deficit of like history in, in California. I mean, history in the way that Europe has history, castles and structures. Much of our history is Native American hi history, the Chumash Indians and other tribes were in Southern California and their structures obviously weren't, they were, you know, teepees and makeshift um, st structures made out of brush, really. And so we don't have that kind of long-standing long history. So we've got this like history of missions, which I think is fascinating. But the more you read about missions, you start realizing 
that the natives were conscripted to build missions and not always in the nicest way. So the more I start uncovering this Junipero Serra story, I start realizing that he struggled uh, with the state quite a bit because he, you know, they wanted to convert natives, right, to, to, to Catholicism in a post-Spanish Inquisition um, world where they were a world power at the time. And they come in and they roll up on these ships. And when you look out of the coast, you could just imagine these ships coming in and natives coming to the coast to look at them. And they come off and they want gold. They want to build things. They start pressing this, you know, this ideology and this religion upon these people who had lived for, you know, thousands of years without any outside any outside influence. So the Spaniards come and everywhere you look, uh, there is, there is history about like what happened to these people. So what I was reading about was Junipero Serra was like fighting, fighting the state basically because there was plundering and raping and they were putting these like natives to work building these structures for them. And this is an interesting part of California that I think that we don't, uh, we don't talk about. And it's not that we don't talk about it because we, we are ashamed of it. We don't talk about it because I think that people just don't know about it. So there's these 21 missions. They were colonies. They were like communities unto themselves. And Junipero Serra was famous for flogging himself and he could be heard at night in his room in the mission whipping himself. And if you think of a Spanish Inquisition era, um, and you think of like the guilty until proven innocent uh, method of justice, and uh, you start realizing that this is like a very gory, twisted you know, early version of Christianity. And so this guy would whip himself in, in, in sermons until he was bloody. And he had these like spiked um, kind of like whips with nails on them. And he would bleed in front of his you know congregation, which is crazy. So this is early, early times in California. The 21 missions are still there. In my humble opinion, I think the most beautiful one is in Santa Barbara. And always right next to the mission, there would be what is called a Presidio. A Presidio is a military fort, and I have seen them now through my travels. I've seen them in Puerto Rico. There's a beautiful one in San Juan. Um, I just saw one, a gorgeous one in, in Colombia when I was there earlier this summer. And it's, this, this is such an interesting representation of the relationship uh, between the exploration of the new world and the desire for gold and prosperity and God. So there was a famous explorer called in America with the American accent would be Portola. I think the Spanish pronunciation is Portola. And he was a military and explorer guy that was dealing with um, Junipero Serra. They build these missions and later on Mexico gets involved. And this is just fascinating to me because, um, we we kind of carry on. Most people think about California. With it. Mostly, this is in a, a modern phenomenon. People think about it in Hollywood terms, right? The movie Pretty Woman. Um, you know, we got Lost Boys that was filmed in my town in Santa Cruz. We've got all of Hollywood, and we've got this like, hey, bro, kind of hang loose uh, 
understanding of California and also um, starlets, Marilyn Monroe, um, Joe DiMaggio. And um, it's such a fascinating place, California, because as we know, the coast is green, it's lush, it's it's the Pacific Ocean, but inland, which the, the California that I've always been fascinated with is the agricultural side of California. And music does kind of emerge in Bakersfield, which is a southern inland California agricultural place. There's actually a country scene, which was respected in country music, and there was a Baker, Bakersfield sound. And every single immigrant group has their own music. And what I think is really fascinating is when you get towards the border of California and Mexico, you have Tejano music, ranchero music, there are boletos, there's like folk music that starts weaving into Western rock and roll and country music. We start getting the accordion. We start having people later on like Rye Cooter and we start integrating like Mexican American themes into rock and roll and country music. Los Lobos is another one. So as we travel inland here, I'm going now through this into Big Sur. And if anybody's ever seen the coast of California and the central coast, which eventually will be Northern California, this is fascinating. Um, we've got Jack Kerouac's book, Big Sur and beatniks and truth seekers and people running away from whatever realities there are in America coming out to this coastline to try to find themselves. And like I said before, it's so fascinating that my country, my family did the same exact thing. Detroit, Michigan, snow, hockey, politics, my grandfather working in the automotive industry. There were tons of factories. And they get to a certain age, and it's like, I'm going to go retire. And when you retire in the sun in America, it's pretty much Florida, um, Hawaii, uh, or California. California is the most populous state in America, and I can see why. It's, it's absolutely like varied and diverse. And one thing that I love about it, I was so had a long day of writing and I went swimming in the pool at this hotel, kind of a janky, crappy, not wonderful hotel. Um, but I love them. I love them funky and, and kind of dingy. I, I like a weird hotel. So I'm sitting in this, this, this pool. And then I get into like the hot tub area, which is over chlorinated and nuts. And there's these two women there and they're Guatemalan Americans, which is like pfft, a whole other journey into California's, uh, DNA, I guess. And then we're sitting there, and these two Brazilians are there. Brazilians had come and they wanted to visit Hearst Castle. Um, and Hearst Castle is like where this, you know, the Hearst families, you know, Patty Hearst was a girl that was abducted by a cult in the 70s, the 60s or 70s. And she was like this girl that was abducted and had Stockholm's, uh, Stockholm syndrome. Her abductors brainwashed her and she became this like gun-toting bank robber. But she was from this wealthy family in the Hearst um, Castle. We do have a castle in California. Is nearby here as well. And this is one of these kind of like extremely like Carnegie type of wealth. And they imported all these like pillars from Florence and all these things from Europe and Africa and made this like monolithic giant mansion with marble floors 
So that's going to be something that I ride by today is going towards Big Sur. Now, what's fascinating, and people might not realize this, if you're from um, outside of America, around the world, one thing that we have here is Sequoia Redwoods. And what's unbelievably inspiring about these things is I have seen redwoods that are 12, 13, 1400 years old. And if you think about it, this is a living thing that has been alive since, I don't know, six, 700, 800 AD, 900 AD, 1000 AD, 1100, 1200 AD. And this is crazy, man. It's like Joan of Arc era. So you've got, you've got like, trees that have been breathing shedding their needles or their foliage and regenerating and they have roots into the earth that have been there for a thousand years think about that so i did a little research on the redwoods fascinating thing about redwoods is when many uh, a lot of the times when they chop these things down and you'd have to really see these trees to, to understand what i'm talking about like there are trees so large that they dug tunnels through them when you know when they couldn't get a road to go around them they would dig a tunnel through them oftentimes that when they chop these redwoods down they would fall and shatter because the, of the sheer like scope and size and weight of them and so um it, it's a dreadful part of California history that they chopped these things down. But of course, human beings left to their own devices are constantly thinking of how to make money and prosper, right? So there's, this, is, this is a shameful part of our history, what we did to the Redwoods, but they are protected now. And I'll be going to Big Sur, passing a place called San Simeon. And this region is a lot of what went into the second record. Um, people, the second record of Augustine's, um, if you're a fan of Augustine's, you'd probably have heard the song Walkabout. And Walkabout was me basically on a motorcycle after Risey Sunken Ships got popular and we started touring all over the world. Highway 1 was a place that I would go to kind of restore myself, like soak your scars in the ocean, right? So I would go on this highway and ride up and down it because I knew I needed to write new songs. And San Simeon and Big Sur, this is... A region that was really meaningful to me. Um, doing more research, I didn't know this, but this area also, is, this is the home of the PCH Highway, and the Pacific Coast Highway is Highway 1, and I put that on the second record as well, the Highway 1 interlude, and Walkabout is me kind of coming back from from the world and coming back to this place that I felt was like my spiritual center and writing from that perspective. Um, yeah, a lot got thrown at us. Uh, it was uncomfortable to travel. It was the, some of those, the club shows were often very difficult playing six shows a week. And no matter how hard life gets, I always yearn for this coastline. And yeah, a lot of the songs from Augustine's are self-titled second record came from highway one moving forward okay there is a place called the bigsy bigsby bridge which we'll be going over going towards monterey and santa cruz i think that will be tomorrow cannery row steinbeck wrote a lot about this region what i didn't realize is that what california's what the government did is they basically needed workers to build pch highway 
And they went to San Quentin and other penitentiaries and had prisoners build this road, this massive, beautiful highway. And they could work for a reduced sentence. So prisoners would be eager to build this. And the Bigsby Bridge that we're going to go over took 20 years. It's an absolute marvel of, and a feat of engineering. So prisoners building highways on top of ancient Indian burial grounds. We've got the fact that the whole entire state up to Oregon was Mexico at one point. We've got languages that will never return from tribes of Indians that are no longer with us. And we've got 21 missions, the El Camino Real, the, the Royal Path, the Enlightened Path, and this is the, the path that the monks walked. And we've got all this history. And whenever people think of the history of California, they think of Tom Cruise. And they think of Venice Beach and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which is like so crazy to me that that's what people think of this place. Um, Steinbeck, Grapes of Wrath, um, fascinating stuff, Cannery Row. And I'm very honored to have been born here and I yearn for this place. It makes me so happy to see a culture that has Cambodian people, Thai people, Japanese people, Taiwanese people, Jewish communities. I think it to me is very fascinating to think of the Armenian community in Southern California and people that came from Europe after the war to work in the Hollywood system as composers and artisans that came looking for a new life from a destroyed Europe after the war uh, that found work here. And I think of World War II. I think of Japanese submarines off the coast of California threatening to shell our shoreline. I think of Japanese Zeros flying around Hawaii bombing Pearl Harbor, which kicked off the war, obviously. I think of internment camps of Japanese Americans, both in California and Nevada where people would receive a knock on the door and they were relocated to camps until the war was over, which is also a shameful part of our history. There's the gold rush in 1849, um, where we lowered Chinese citizens down the faces of cliffs to put dynamite to blow the cliffs away so we could build roads and railroads. That's also a shameful part of our history. But it is what it is. And again... Um, I'm so honored to be here and be a part of this history in many ways. Tom Waits, Tom Petty, the Beach Boys, the genius of Brian Wilson, and so many directors and actors and creatives. And uh, yet we kind of always just think of it as Hollywood, but it was, there really is a massive amount of creativity, punk rock, underground punk rock there's the skateboard the birth of skateboarding surfing which came over apparently from uh a couple of princes from hawaii came over and i believe it was in the early 1900s or the late 1800s came over to california to go to school to go to college we have stanford here we have ucla we have cal berkeley um and they came to go to school here and they 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 built surfboards and went surfing and that started the surf craze, right? So such a fascinating place. 
I'm so thrilled to be sharing this from a motorcycle. For me, I never thought, I, I thought, you know, another kind of misconception is that musicians are sort of just these guys on stage for 90 minutes and we get in line and buy their records. But there's so much more expression to in life than just singing a tune. But I like to try to marry topics um, in my environment with songs. And I also see clues that people put in their songs. For example, and I'll leave you with this story. There's a place called Healdsburg in the North Bay of San Francisco. In the Bay Area, um, there's Marin. That was a, a, a big enclave for Crosby, Stills, and Nash and like the Grateful Dead, they lived in Marin. But if you keep going further north, there's past Napa, there's a little place called Healdsburg, and this is where Tom Waits lives. And I, during the second record, when I really started making California, the, the north coast of California, a place that I would go and write, I was riding around on my motorcycle and I stopped. I think I was having a cigarette and I, I was looking at this, I don't know if it was an old hotel or an old kind of uh, dilapidated um, corner store or gas station and it said Monte Rio. And I looked at it and I went, whoa. Tom Waits lives around here in the song, Hold On. So she left Monte Rio, son, just like a bullet leaves a gun. And so I'm thinking, Tom Waits probably drove past this multiple times and thought Monte Rio. What a beautiful old name. Who was Monte Rio? I love this name. It kind of sounds like a nightclub owner. Um, or maybe a guy that owned a, a chop shop or a mechanic, Monte Rio. Or it sounds like kind of like an old gangster that maybe went back and forth from Havana to Florida. Uh, maybe it was a rum runner or a Prohibition era guy. And I just, I, I love the name and I just think that Tom Waits loved that name too and he drove past it and he made it a character in one of his songs. I love pulling at threads and connecting these clues of music, geography, and history, and storytelling. And I believe I found a little unsaid clue amongst the redwoods of the North Coast. I've, I got you, Tom Waits. I saw the clue you left, and I nailed it. And when I have these little epiphanies, they make me so happy as a writer. Everyone, please join me. I'll be doing a, a photo series on my Onward uh, Facebook group, which is exclusive for my patrons and Patreon. And uh, this podcast is for you guys. And I'm going to post my photos now of my trip. Uh, thank you for getting behind me. Thank you for supporting a songwriter riding around on his motorcycle, philosophizing about Kerouac and the Beatniks and Allen Ginsberg and Steinbeck and composers from Europe and the safe haven that the Pacific has offered people for generations. I'm thrilled to be here, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from the Central Coast. <laughs>